let's show my, can we show my intro? Because I didn't get my intro. There it is. So this is like a, okay, if you're new, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just, this stuff kind of happens at our church. But if you're new, we're doing a series today on the gospel according to Star Wars. And you're like, what in the world are you talking about? I mean, I've read the Bible. It has absolutely nothing to do with Star Wars. Well, we're going to be actually looking at it. We're going to be taking a, 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 a snapshot at this cultural phenomenon called Star Wars. And we need to see it. And it, it's, it's applicable. We, there, there's stuff that we can pull out of the movie, but more importantly, we need to adjust our mindset on how we actually receive it and how we're to process it. Because whether you know it or not, it is, it's a powerful force in our society. It is. It's huge. Star Wars has um, it's not only shaped our culture, it's shaped the way that we think about spirituality. And so this is why we're looking at it today. And if you've got your bulletin, is anybody like bugged by the bulletin? Like that just like rubbed you the wrong way, a little sacrilegious there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, so it's the bulletin cover. It's a little sacrilegious, right? Now, here's why I did it. I did it not just not to offend you or to ruffle your feathers, but I want us to think about it. Like if you were like, if it, if it rubbed you the wrong way, if it offended your spirit, that's probably a good thing, folks. I, I'm, 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 it's good that it did. Because you need to like, why, why isn't this sitting right with me? Why does this image bug me? And that, that's a good thing. Because what Star Wars has done, now I'm a fan. Raise your hand if you're a fan. All right, we're all fans. It's just such a cool movie. But we're going to look at it to why it's important. Why it has shaped our culture. Because Star Wars is more than just a science fiction movie. Star Wars is, there's something deep to it. There's something spiritual to it. And we need to figure out why it resonates within us. Why are we so attracted to it? Uh, why a movie that came out in 1977, why does it still hold so much power? Why do my kids like it, you know? So these are the things that we're asking. And uh, Star Wars was created and written by George Lucas. And so most of us know that. Most, it's a familiar name. Everybody's heard of George Lucas for the most part. He did Star Wars and he did Indiana Jones, right? Two amazing uh, movies. Now, Lucas ripped everybody off. Like the more that I look at it, there is not an original thought in any of these movies. He stole heavenly from Dune. Anybody read Dune, that big, giant, Tolstoy-sized science fiction nerd book? I mean, it's amazing. But, I mean, he totally ripped off Dune. He ripped off Wizard of Oz. He really ripped off Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. But specifically, most of his inspiration came from mythologies. And he's very transparent. Right out of the gate, he says, I went in to write Star Wars so that I could write a modern myth. And this is why it resonates with us. Because we are geared towards mythology. We're geared towards myth. And one of the individuals that he pulled a lot of inspiration from, his name, his, his name is Joseph Campbell. Do we have his picture? Joseph Campbell? There he is. Does he look familiar? Does this guy look familiar? Well, he might because 
he was on PBS. I, did your parents ever make you watch PBS? I had to watch PBS. Um, but he did a whole series on world religions. And this is a Western, uh, you know, a Western person that grew up in church, and he got fascinated with Eastern philosophies and Eastern religions. And he wrote entire mythologies. And his whole purpose was, okay, I can find a common denominator between all religions. So there's, there's one specific thread that every religion holds in common. And so this, was, this is his life work. And, you know, one of his great works was The God of a Thousand Faces or uh, the, mono, the mono myth, which is there's one hero, and the hero transforms himself and transforms the world around him, and he becomes a savior. So this is like a, a universal theme that, uh, that Joseph um, Campbell begins to pick out. Now, as he's beginning to work, as, as Joseph Campbell begins to work, does an important work, uh, we begin to understand that there are only two spiritual worldviews. There's two spiritual worldviews that if, like, if we boil down all religions down to two, you know, if we boil this, boil this all down, it boils down to good versus evil and something that we call Taoism or yin-yang. Let's... Let's bring up our yin-yang. There it is. Have you ever seen this before? Okay. So this is a, this is a symbol, and it's actually philosophy. And um, there was a, a wise man, a, ph- a philosopher, a religious person from the East, from China. And he, he went out into the city, and he, was, he saw all of these people acting badly. They were, everybody was drunk. Everybody was fornicating. Everybody was stealing. Everybody was murdering. And it, it, it actually grieved him to a deep level. And he's like, this is horrible. And so he went about doing something about it. But what he did, and why it's important is because we all kind of understand this deep down inside. What he did is he's like, I cannot fix this. But the goal is to, is to bring everything into balance and into harmony. So... So one worldview is good versus evil, and then the other worldview is, is that there is light and dark, and they are in balance, and that they are in harmony, right? Okay? And that uh, everything in the world, there's good and bad, and that's just the way it is, and it all kind of melts together, and it's just, you know, try to find balance and harmony is, is the key. So, uh, okay, I know it's a little cut off, but in the yin and the yang, you have the positive and you have the negative. You have the male power, you have the female power. You have day and you have night. You have, you, have a, you have an active force and you have a passive force. You have a sun and you have a moon. You have logic and you have intuition. You have hot, you have cold, you have hard, and you have soft. And sometimes one will take precedent over the other. And, but the key to life, the Taoist, the way, uh, Taoism actually means the way, ironically. The way is to find balance in these things. There is no good versus evil. This is all about finding harmony and balance. So those are the two major worldviews right there. And he might be thinking, well, yeah, that, that makes sense for the Asian cultures. But I'm going to tell you something. This philosophy, not only did it end up as a tattoo on your lower back, it, <laughs> Jake, Jake liked that one. You finally got it a little slow there. Yeah. What? I know. Not only, did, not only did that happen, but we don't realize it, that we can actually do this philosophy and actually maintain it in a Christian setting. 
We do it without even noticing it. All right. So those are the, that's, what, that's what gets introduced to us. This philosophy gets introduced to us through Joseph Campbell and PBS. And guess who Joseph Campbell was friends with? George Lucas. They were buddies. Uh, part of the, the mythological structure, the, the, the hero's journey, the monolith, is that the hero always has a mentor, right? And so Obi-Wan Kenobi is Luke Skywalker's mentor. Well... Joseph Campbell was George Lucas's mentor. Everything he learned, he got from his Christian faith, and then he got from Eastern philosophy and Buddhism. So they actually asked, um, somebody actually asked George Lucas, what religion are you? And his response was, I'm a Methodist Buddhist. Right? I mean, you laugh, right? But this is the way the most, of, most of our world thinks. You know what? I'm okay with Christianity. I like what Jesus has to say, and I like what Buddha has to say. The irony is they said a lot of things that sound very similar, and so we're easily, you know, attached to that. I mean, you might think, well, that's just crazy. How could somebody be a, a Methodist and a Buddhist? It is possible, and the reason why Lucas was drawn to Buddhism is because Buddhism is a system. And if you look at even the word Methodist, a Methodist prescribes the religious process as a system. Now, keep in mind, Methodists are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and some of the most powerful men on the planet were Methodists. John Wesley, and uh, I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Methodists. But the danger when we disconnect with the relationship with, the G- with Jesus, a personal relationship, is that we will default into a system. And so, actually, this makes sense. For Lucas to say, I'm a both a Methodist and a Buddhist because they both present systems that I like. All right? So, Lucas has a powerful influence into our culture. And we're going to see a video right now that best illustrates that. Can we show that video? Can you bring down that light, too? <laughs> stones around is one thing. This is totally different. No. No different. Only different in your mind. You must unlearn what you have learned. Alright, I'll give it a try. No. Try not. Do. Or do not. There is no try.
is too big. Size matters not. Look at me. Just me by my size, do you? Hmm? Hmm. And where you should not. For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us. And binds us. Luminous beings are we. Not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here. Between you. Me. The tree. The rock. Everywhere. Yes. Even between the land and the ship. You are the impossible. Definitely some specific Christian themes. Did you pick up on them? What were some what were some things that actually fit inside of our biblical context? The force everywhere. Okay, we'll talk about that. What else? You have to believe all things that are possible. The reason why you failed is because you did not believe. What was that? Let go of your old thoughts, the recapturing of the mind, absolutely. Don't be held captive by negative thoughts. These are all biblical themes, right? So it's easy to say, wow, I, that totally makes sense. Okay, now what about parts of this lesson that are not biblical? What do you think? You can't move a ship. Can't move a ship. <laughs> hmm? How do you know? Mm-hmm. Can't do it on our own. What's the main theme here, folks? Mm 
What is being taught? Faith. Faith. All right, well. You can do it on your own. Oh, yeah. First service was much better. <laughs> they, they totally got it. All right. Yeah. All right. Here's the thing. The force is not our force. The force that Yoda is teaching right here, this is Eastern philosophy. He says, I align myself with the force, and it is, he is a power, he doesn't say he, he said, it is a powerful ally. And the energy force is in the tree, and it's in the rock, and it's in the space between the tree and the rock. It's in me, it's in you. And life has this energy force force that we can tap into. And if you know this, if you know the story, when you let it continue, uh, the force is not only good, but it's also what? It's evil. So there's a, there's a good side of the force, and then the, there's a dark side of the force. So this is where it gets tricky. This is where you need to teach your til- children after you watch this movie. Because when the force is introduced, it is, you know, okay, it is that thing, the force is the thing that gives the story, a supernatural element. The force is the thing that empowers Luke to do these supernatural things. And so, wow, that's really cool, right? Uh, Ironically, Lucas introduced the whole idea of the force. He was interviewed by Bill Moyers and says, why is it so point, you know, what's what's up with, why it seems like religion, what's going on? Why do people gravitate to the Star Wars? And what's the deal with the force? Why did you introduce the force into a super, uh, to a sci-fi, you know, action movie? And he said, it's because I wanted young people to realize that there is a God. That's a direct quote from Lucas. So the reason why he introduced the supernatural force, he wants people to realize that there's a God. He even goes, he goes on to say, um, the force is so important because it illustrates that there's a supernatural element to life. And they ask, do you believe in God? He's like, of course I believe in God. Now this is where, he differ, this is where he's going to differ from us. He says, there's a God, and all religions are like different people touching and trying to describe an elephant. So everybody's got their own interpretation of what the elephant is, but no one really knows or no one can really understand the elephant. And he said, religion is so, organized religion is the fabric of society. And get this, he says, my biggest fear is that our society becomes secular and entertainment takes the place of spirituality. Isn't that an interesting thought to think about? So he kind of gets it on that level. Okay, but this is where he's wrong. See, the force is not our Holy Spirit. I don't know, maybe you thought about it that way. Maybe you thought that the Holy Spirit was this, some supernatural force that comes in and heals our bodies, that touches us, that, you know, whatever. It gives us inspiration, but that's not it. See, the Holy Spirit is a person. It, it, the Holy Spirit, it's his own being. It's his own person. And so to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you are actually having a person that lives inside of you. You're not getting supercharged with electric energy so you can let lightning bolts out your fingers. You have a person that lives inside of you. And so that's, like, that's one of the main differences between okay, the force and the Holy Spirit. And so I hope we can see that. And again, it... it 
it all stems from these two worldviews on spirituality. One, is it a good versus evil? And two, it is the yin and the yang. You see, in Star Wars, everything is balanced, right? You have, you have the good side of the force and you have the dark side of the force. And you get to choose which one you're going to balance with. And that is actually very easy for us to do because how many people would like to have some balance in their lives? Would like to have some harmony? Yeah, we all do, right? We all want to have that sense of, of balance. And you know what? I, I have it all figured out. I have it all balanced. Here's the danger of it. Here's the danger of actually seeking that world system and that worldview is because you will settle there. You will settle with, with having your life in balance. You will settle with, with having a peaceful life. And if you're called to the other worldview, when it is good versus evil, that means there's warfare involved. So we have been actually called to warfare and not called to a balanced life. I know that's frustrating. And I know what you're thinking, too. Pastor Josh, my life is so chaotic right now. My life is falling apart. I have no vision. I have no direction. I can't get any rest. I can't get any peace. Well, there's room for that. Like, God will build you up. God says, you come to me who are, who are worried and broken and, and weary, and I will give you rest. So there is rest in God's peace. So he will give you that rest that you need. He will, he will fill up your cup, Right? He will fill you up. But do you know the rest of the story, the rest of the analogy? Does it just stay full? It overflows, right? So there is no balance when God fills you up. You are to be used continually. Okay. Let's see if I can better uh, describe this. In Matthew 10, verses 16. Jesus is sending out his disciples. He has given them power. He's given them authority. He sent them out to do exactly what he's been doing all of these years. And he says this. He says, I am sending you out among wolves. Therefore, be a wolves, a sheep among wolves. Therefore, be snakes. Be shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. I think it's just so ironic. So God sends us out among wolves and to be and act like snakes. Be shrewd, huh? Be on your guard, you'll be handed over to local councils, you'll be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before the governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, don't worry about uh, what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but what? The Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Then I will tell you in the dark, what I tell you in the dark, you speak in the daylight. What I whisper in your ear, you proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those of you that kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both your soul and your body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall on the ground outside of your father's care. And even every hair on your head is numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Okay, here we go. This is what you got to pay attention to. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. All right. Do not suppose I have come to bring peace to the earth. 
I have come, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. And you might be thinking to yourself, what, what are you, what, I am so confused. I thought sweet Jesus was the prince of peace, the little baby laying in the manger. What is this idea about him not bringing peace to the earth, but a sword? And we've got to get this, in, we've got to get this idea into our heads. Jesus came to do warfare, not to give us peace and serenity. He came to save. He came to undo the works of the enemy. And so he's not being literal. He doesn't want Christians to take up jihad, right, and get swords and start killing people. He's talking about spiritual things. He's talking about spiritual warfare. And this is the, this is the difficult part of the whole thing. This is what makes Jesus so offensive to the world is that, yes, he is that hero. He is that hero that is hardwired into our DNA where we have to have a Savior. Like there's something down deep inside of us that knows that we have to have a Savior. But when he says things like this, it offends us because he's saying, I am the only way. I am the only truth. And I am the only life. See, the yin-yang, Taoist philosophy, and Taoism literally translates as the way. This is how you live life. This is the way to, to peace. This is the way to prosperity. This is what you got to do. But Jesus doesn't say, I also have another philosophy, another way of life. Jesus says, I am the way. He doesn't teach about the way. He says, I am the way. Buddha says, if you want to have a good life, if you want to have a balanced life, then you need to do these things. And Jesus says, I am life. I am life to the full. And what we got to get into our heads is that it is warfare and not necessarily balance. It's not harmony. When Jesus came to the planet, he did not come for harmony. He came to take back the territory that was stolen. It goes on, it goes on further in, in, in Matthew chapter 11. He says, uh, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is one of violence. And violent men, they take it by force. And what is that supposed to mean? How do I get that around my head? So there's, violent, there's evil, violent men that are attacking the kingdom of heaven? No, that's not what he's saying at all. This is an easier translation to understand. This is the God's words translated. It says, For the kingdom of heaven has not been forcefully, excuse me, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. God wins at the end. Like, it's better today than it was yesterday. We are closer to the promises of God today than they were 2,000 years ago when Jesus actually walked the planet. We are closer. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. It's on a track. It's, on, it's forward movement. People are getting saved all over the world. Maybe not in your neighborhood, but they're getting saved all over the world. It's forcefully advancing. And here we go. And forceful people... They have been seizing it. So if you want God active in your life, you cannot be passive. You have to forcefully seize the kingdom of heaven. You have to get it. You have to actually go in and, and invest yourself, invest your time, invest your money. You have to take risk. You've got to figure out where God is and go get it. God is... I can't do anything with passive people. The kingdom of heaven does not get advanced through passive people. 
And this is what he says. All the prophets and Moses and the teachings and the prophecies up to this time, they all understood this. Every person that desired God, that wanted to advance in the kingdom of heaven, that wanted to get breakthrough, breakthrough, they had to forcefully go and get it. And that is, a, that is a worldview of good versus evil. Eastern philosophy says, you know what? You don't need to forcefully go get it. You need to rest and you need to meditate and you need to allow the universe to happen to you. And, well, sometimes that's what we want. Now you think to yourself, okay, so this, this Eastern religion, Eastern philosophy, that actually happened over there, right? And it's completely void of Western influence. Believe it or not, this thought of balance and harmony is actually, it's been a part of Western civilization and Western culture since day one. The Gnostics introduced it before they ever knew about the Chinese. Uh, The Illuminati introduced this idea of God both being good and God both being evil. You see, when you take this yin and yang thing, this balance thing, and when you really flesh it out, when you, when you push it out as far as it can go, what it eventually says, this balance and harmony thing, what it eventually says is God is both good and God is both evil. You can't have the light without the dark. And for us, sometimes it's easier to say, you know what, all these bad things are happening in my life. It's easier for me to understand a God that is both in a good mood and both in a bad mood. That makes more sense than thinking that God is good all the time. That he is good all the time. There is no darkness in him. I'm just going to read First uh, John real quick. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not understand it. There is a man who was sent from God. He said his name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came to witness to the light. The true light that gives light to... Every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He did not know which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet all who receive him, through they believe in his name. He gave them right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor human descent, nor a husband's will, but born of God. The word become, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And he goes on to say that God is light and that there is no darkness in him at all. And so we've got to get that into our heads that, okay, yeah, I, I secretly desire balance, but what God is calling you into is warfare. I secretly desire peace, but what God is calling you into is battle. Toyuko Kagawa, he was a Japanese convert. He converted from Buddhism into Christianity. 
He says this. I was a pilgrim journeying on a long road that had no turning. I was weary. I was footsore. I was wandering through a dark and dismal world where tragedies were thick. Buddhism teaches great compassion. But since the beginning of time, who has ever said, this is my blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the remissions of sins? This is the amazing thing about somebody that grew up in the East that got introduced to Jesus. Somebody that grew up under Buddhist teaching, under Shinto teaching, under Confucianism. They were all really good. And then maybe he actually learned some things. He learned how to live a better life. But when it came down to it, Buddha didn't die on the cross for him, for the remission of his sins. When it comes down to it, Confucius couldn't intercede for him in the heavenly places. Muhammad's not going to die for anybody. This is what separates every religion from Christianity. It is this element of grace. And folks, we've got to be so careful because when we go, when we understand, okay, so God is not calling me to live a peaceful life when he says that I have come into the world not to bring peace but a sword, that, I mean, he's like rolling up his sleeves he's going to undo the works of the devil. When he's saying, I don't want, a, I don't want a peaceful environment, I want to shake things up a little bit. When he says that, our tendency is like, oh my gosh, I'm all in, God, right? And that is the right response, by the way. That is the right response. Like, we need to say, you know what? Jesus died for me. No other philosophy, no other religion, no other self-help book died for me. But Jesus died for me for the remissions of my sins and, and the sins of humanity. How do I respond to that? You know, Jesus says, if you love me, you will, you will put me above your own family. That's difficult stuff. We actually have to love Jesus more than we love our spouse, more than we love our kids, more than we love our friends. That's what he's demanding of us when he says, I have come and I'm, I'm a sword. I'm going, I'm going to separate things. I'm going to make things very clear. I'm going to make things very holy. And it's like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Right? This love that Jesus has for us, the love to die on a cross for our sins, there's no greater love than that, right? We know that. There's no greater love than giving up your life for your loved one or a friend. There's no greater love And when we experience that, how do we, I don't really have the answers to this. How do we live that out? Because this love was radical, and it requires a radical response. So how do we, as believers, live a radical life that has been transformed by love? We've been trying for centuries. During the Reformation, they, they, they ripped out all the art out of the cathedrals. They whitewashed all the walls. They painted over all the frescoes. 
because they were radically in love with Jesus, and it was an extreme. It was an abusive extreme. They actually ended up with thousands of people at the bottom of Lake Geneva killing Catholics. So we don't want that, do we? No. So what does it look like to be radically in love, to, re- to respond radically to, to Christ's love for us? Does that mean that we quit letting our kids watch Star Wars movies? Heaven forbid, right? Maybe it does. I don't know. But you see, grace changes everything. And maybe Star Wars is okay for you and your family, but maybe Star Wars isn't good for me and my family. Does that, does that make sense? And that takes wisdom. That takes a relationship with Jesus. And where Lucas and Campbell failed. Now, they were both incredible guys. I mean, I would love to hang out with them and have dinner with them. They're very sweet men. But they opted, like Jesus wasn't good enough. Does that make sense? Relationship with Jesus wasn't good enough. And they opted for religion. So religion will give you the rules. Religion will give you the method. Religion will give you the structure that that we think that we need. But what we really need is a relationship, a personal grace-based relationship with Jesus. And unfortunately, that might be, yeah, Star Wars is good for, for that family, but Star Wars isn't good for your family. Isn't that a horrible thing to think? How could Star Wars not be good for your family? Right? But you know this as parents. You've got two kids. One's naughty and one's nice. And you know, right? So what is good for one child, it might not be good for another child. And that's the way that Jesus works with us. And so, yeah, I have, I have seen people that desperately need structure into their lives because their life is, their practical life is falling apart. Their natural life is a disaster. And then vice versa, I have seen people whose lives are so organized, that are so structured, that are so perfect, like, like they, they don't even step, step on bugs because they're, they're afraid that they're going to sin, right? They've got, they've got it down. So they, therefore, they have earned their own salvation. They don't even need Jesus. Why do I need Jesus to die on a cross for me? Because I've lived this perfect life and I've followed all the rules. You've earned your own salvation. So there's that. So what, is, what do we need? We need to ally ourselves with the fact that Jesus died for all of our sins and all of our inadequacies. And it's by the blood on his back that we have been healed. It is by the commissioning of Holy Spirit, which is a person and not a force that empowers our lives. We are empowered by a person and not an energy field. This is what we've got to get into our heads. All right, if I could have the band and the ushers come up to the front. I find it kind of ironic that in our white Western world, we're attracted to Buddhism and Eastern philosophies. On the other side of the planet, the Asian world is extremely attracted to the grace of, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How does that make any sense? Right? There are more Christians in China than there are in America right now. There's more revival going on in, Eastern, in the Eastern countries than there are here. It's because they want, they want that relationship. They're, they desire it. They're willing to die for it. 
when I was 10, my parents made me smuggle Bibles into China. This was before, this was, this was before China was secular. Um, well, I mean, it was secular. It was communist. Right now, they just care about money, right? So you can take Bibles into China. No one's going to care. You just pay the right person. But back then, it was not acceptable because it was a full-blown atheist communist country. And so I, I, I got caught. And so my dad was talking to the, the, the customs agent. He says, we just want to give this gift to the Chinese people. We just, you know, we just desire to bless them, you know, with the Bible because it's blessed us in America. And the, 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 the agent says, I can take your son away from you and you will never see him again. And this is kind of weird. My dad says, okay, it would be worth it. <laughs> I know. We, my Bibles didn't get through. They confiscated those. But everybody that went before us, we got their Bibles through. And um, we, we gave them to some people at the underground church. And um, oh, my mind's blanking, but they had two English names. One was Charlie and Sam, two Chinese guys that were super excited about getting the Bibles that we brought them. Charlie and Sam and uh, underground church. I mean, just that joy. Not, not pleasure, but joy that emanated from them when they received the word of God. Hmm? And uh, by the time that we got back to the States, they were machine gunned down in an alley because they were taking these Bibles to people that didn't have them. No greater love, Right? No greater love. And these were, okay, spiritually speaking, these were violent people, two violent men that were advancing the kingdom of heaven forcefully. Right? Forcefully advancing the kingdom by distributing the word of God. So what do we do this week? How, how do you forcefully advance the kingdom of God? What does it look like practically? Don't try and use the force. Use Holy Spirit, that person, to empower you. Don't try to move cups across the table by concentrating really hard. It doesn't work. I've tried it. <laughs> Allow Holy Spirit to empower you this week. Say, Holy Spirit, come. You're in the car. Holy Spirit, come. Where do I go? Where do I drive? Who do I minister to? Who do I share my faith with? Holy Spirit, come. Come with me to church on Sunday, Holy Spirit. Come with me to work this morning, Holy Spirit. Come with me into my family life this, this week. Holy Spirit, should I watch Star Wars? And then we lie to ourselves, of course you can watch Star Wars. That was silly. But you know what I'm saying. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now, we just thank you so much for your presence in the room. And God, I pray that you will just break down any walls or barriers that keeps us from engaging you and being in relationship with you. God, if we are after harmony and peace in our lives rather than the kingdom, God, I pray that we would just repent of that. Because you know that we know deep down inside that you have not called us to be comfortable Christians. You've called us into warfare. Because this is a fight between good and evil. This is not a yin and yang thing. So God, areas of our lives where we think that, you know, it's okay that I have these evil thoughts because it makes my good thoughts even more good. God, forgive us of that sin. 
Because we are children of the light. And we are, when we are children of the light, there is no darkness in us either. So God, I pray right now that you would just cleanse us of our sins, that you will reveal the fact that we are made in your image, that we are children of light. So just purge us of all this darkness that that clouds our minds and clouds our souls and keeps us in bondage. Bless this offering in your name. Amen.